You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Let's, let's look in Matthew chapter 16. Let's see what the Lord has for us. We are still in our character studies through Wednesday night. That's what we've been doing for the past couple months now. Um, and for today's study, we're going to be studying the best person ever in the Bible. That is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the man who is God. So we're going to be studying Jesus today because uh, last Sunday we talked about uh, Jesus appointing his 12 disciples. We talked about what a disciple means, what an apostle means, how they are sent out into the world, so the discipleship and all that. So now we want to dig deep into the character and person of Jesus Christ himself. We'll talk about his human nature, we'll talk about his God nature, how he was both, and then we will talk about what that means for you and me today. And there's a great passage in Matthew 16. Look at verse 13. That's what we're going to study today. Matthew 16, verse 13. And there's a question that Jesus asked his disciples, and it is for us today, uh, a question of really, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? What does he mean to you? Uh, is he, do you know him personal, in a personal way? Who is Jesus to you? You'll hear other people say what they think of Jesus. You'll hear other people say this and that. But what does the Bible say about Jesus? So let's look at Matthew 16, verse 13. Just read along a few verses, and then we'll dive in. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Let's pause and pray, and then we're going to study this teaching. Jesus, we thank you for this uh, this evening, rather, and um, Lord, that you just are good to us. We thank you for the worship, and that we can just settle our hearts before you. I pray that we would learn something new from from who you are and who you were in the pages of Scripture, and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever as your, your word tells us. And uh, help us to learn what it means um, to really know who you are and, and in an impersonal way. And uh, Lord, help us to just love you and to give thanks in all circumstances and just lead our steps and guide us. Go before us tonight as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So two questions I want you guys to look at the screen. Two questions for today that everybody needs to answer at a time in their life. Not even the Christian, but everybody. Everybody. They're going to be held accountable for this. And the number one question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Really, as an historical figure, as an actual person, he was a living being. He actually walked this earth 2,000 years ago. He was a real person. Even the secular historians say there was a real man named Jesus. So there's no doubt about that. Number two, what does he mean to me personally? What does he mean to you and I personally? Who does he say that he is? What do we believe? And that's the same question he asked his disciples that we just read. He said, what about you, though? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So look at those two questions. We're going we're gonna to come back to them at the end of the study. But those are some, that, these are the topics and the questions that everybody needs to answer at one point in their life. There is a right answer. But some people think their, their answer is the right answer. 
And there's so many answers out there that some people don't even know what to believe anymore. What is truth? What is the real truth? Who is Jesus really? Was he just a good person or is he savior of the world? He's either telling the truth or he's a lunatic. He can't be in the middle. He's either one or the, one or the other. This is something that Jesus asked his disciples and something that he is asking us today, personally. And if you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then this is easy for you. You know who Jesus is. Maybe some of you maybe have struggled with this. Maybe some of you have friends who really struggle with this. Like, I don't really just know who Jesus is, really. I don't know what he means to me. Or I think this is what he means. Is this what the Bible says? And there was a survey. Um, there was an author. I don't even have his book, but I... I looked him up, and his name is Michael Hart, Michael Hart, and he wrote a book many years ago, and I'm going to read it. It's called The 100, A Ranking of the Most Influential Persons in History. So this guy, Michael Hart, this author, came up with a list of his personal opinion on the most 100 influential person, persons in history. And I wasn't surprised to see that Jesus was in the top 100. He was in the top five. But I was surprised where he ranked Jesus. And maybe you are too, and I'm just going to read the top five for you. Number five was Confucius. Number four was Buddha. Number three was Jesus Christ. Number two, Sir Isaac Newton. I know. And number one, Muhammad. That is his rankings for the most 100, top 100 most influential persons in history. Obviously, Michael Hart has never met Jesus, or nor has he studied about him, because Jesus Christ is the most unique and influential person to have ever lived. Why? Or one reason, he is God. He is God. And what he says in his word about himself is true. There is absolute truth, and it's in the word. And this guy is saying, yeah, Jesus was a most influential person. He put him in the top three, but he put Sir Isaac Newton in, the, in front of him. Don't ask why. And then he put Muhammad as number one. Now clearly, Jesus is the biggest name. Everyone knows who Jesus is. But really, personally, Jesus is asking his disciples, and he's asking you and me today, who do you say that I am? You can take this verse and apply it to your own life. He first asked, who do people say that I am? What are people, tell what are people talking about me? Now Jesus knew, he's God. But he wanted to ask his disciples, who do people say that I am? And, and the disciples listed off a list. Well, some say you're John the Baptist because you preach righteousness. You have this fire of, of you, the spiritual fervor, and you preach the righteousness in the kingdom. Some think that you're Elijah back from the dead because Elijah, the Bible says, never died. He was taken up to, into heaven by a, fire, by a chariot of fire. It was only him and Enoch ever to live and never die. And they're saying, some say you're Elijah back, back from, from heaven, back down. And then he says, some say you're Jeremiah, another prophet. He was known as the weeping prophet. And he would weep over the city of Jerusalem. He was on fire for the Lord. He would preach righteousness, but he would also have this heart for the people because it broke his heart when the Israelites were into sin. And that's why he was known as the weeping prophet. He would just cry over Jerusalem. And Jesus had this heart towards people. And there are times in the Bible that says Jesus would weep. He, would weep. He, he was human. He would weep. He would cry for his, his people because they wouldn't believe who he says he was. And then some people say, you're just another prophet. You're John the Baptist, or some say Elijah, Jeremiah, or just another good prophet. And Jesus says, 
okay. Well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter, who we also talked about last week, one of the disciples, the most, probably the most famous of the twelve, says, well, you are the Christ. You're Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. He proclaimed he was Messiah, the Christ. It's the same word. It means anointed one. Christ in the Greek. Messiah in Hebrew means the same thing, anointed one. So he says, one, you're the chosen one, like Star Wars, if you will. You are the chosen one! Okay. Yeah, thanks. Wow. Did you like Star Wars, episode three? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Anyway, where was I? He was the, no, not Star Wars. He was the anointed one. Peter says, you are the anointed one. You're the Messiah. He also says, you're the son of God. You are God. You're the son of God. And he says, you are the son of the living God. You are son of the living God. He claims all three of those things. And then Jesus, I love it, because Jesus had a little humor. And in the, in the Greek, this is kind of a humorous thing. Yet Jesus, is, is, he's still serious. But he says, blessed you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. This was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Meaning, Peter, you didn't have the brains to know this. My Father in heaven had to tell you this. And Peter was like, well, yeah, okay. Peter wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. But Jesus still commended him. And he said, blessed are you. But I want to take this question and really dig deep on number one. Who is Jesus? And I want to look at the first side of Jesus as man. Because he was fully God. He was fully man. It wasn't half and half. He was 100% man, 100% God. And basic bullet points, you guys know this, but we can, we can just write it down. You can look at the screen. But Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. We talked about this. He grew up in Nazareth and began his ministry around 30 years old. Luke chapter 3 tells us that. He began his ministry around 30 years old. He uh, died on a cross outside Jerusalem. He rose from the dead. He rose to life again and walked on the earth for 40 more days. And then he was ascended back into heaven. And it says now he lives forevermore and he intercedes for you and me. Basically what that means is he is our advocate. He represents us to the Father. He prays for you and me. Jesus, to this very moment, is in heaven praying for you and me interceding on our behalf. When we take our prayer requests to Jesus, He is taking them to God the Father. It's that Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So now Jesus lives forevermore, interceding for you and me, and the Bible says He is coming again. The first coming was back in Bethlehem. The second coming is going to be on a white horse coming on the Mount of Olives, ready to judge the earth. It's not going to be baby Jesus anymore. It's going to be Jesus with a white robe on a white horse, ready to wreak havoc. It's going to be awesome if you're a Christian. If you're not, you're in trouble. But this is Jesus as the man. Jesus, born of the virgin, grew up in Nazareth, started his ministry, died on the cross, rose for you and me, ascended back into heaven. He's coming again, but now he lives forevermore. He's seated at the right hand of God, the Bible tells us. And he lives to intercede for you and me. He prays for you and me. He takes our requests of God the Father. He's thinking about you and me. He wants the best for you and me. He has a plan for you and me. That's intercession. That's the interceding for you and me. He's not dead. He's alive. And that's God as man. Jesus as God. Sorry, that's Jesus as man. Jesus as God. There's a few verses that I want to talk about. You guys can write these down. And it's really neat. The, the book of Colossians and the book of Hebrews really gets deep into Jesus as the God and how he is God over time. He's been God ever since time. And it's just interesting to see this. So look at, number one, the creator 
of the universe. That is Jesus as God. Genesis 1.1. Famous verse. You all know this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1.1 actually goes further than that. You can see up on the screen, John 1.3. And it says this, Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Through Jesus, all things were made. Nothing that is wasn't, wasn't made because of nothing. It, he would, Jesus made it. He created it. And it's, it's a Hebrew word that means He created something out of nothing. That bara word in Genesis 1.1. But John 1.1 goes even further than Genesis 1.1 because it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was even in the beginning before any creation. Jesus is the preeminence. He's the firstborn of all creation is what that means. That's John 1.3. He is the creator. All things were made through him. Colossians 1.16, it's on the screen. It says this, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by him and for him. That's interesting. He created you and me for him. Why? Because He loves us, He wants a relationship with us, and we're for His glory. He is glorified because we are made in the image of Jesus. We are made in the image of God. And so God, in Colossians 1.16, by Him all things were created. Things invisible, the spiritual world, things visible, the physical world. Nothing that is came to be from, from just chance. God the Father, Jesus, made it out of nothing. He made it. All things were created by Him and for Him. Hebrews 1-2. Also, Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses are huge on Jesus. At the beginning, making all things, how all things are together, it is all about Jesus. And Hebrews 1-2, it says, and through Him, He made the universe. Jesus, through, through Jesus, the universe came to be. That is Jesus as God. He is man, He is fully man, but He's fully God, and He, he made the universe. He created it. You guys know this. It's so awesome to see this, though, in Colossians and Hebrews. You can dig deeper into that. But number two, he's also Lord of the creation. He didn't just create it and step back and say, all right, you guys just go ahead. Now, there is some religion. There is some um, kind of a belief. It's still around today, but it was really um, popular back in the 1700s, 1600s, where people believed that God created the universe. They believe in a God, that he created everything. But then he stepped back and just let it all go. That he's not mingling with humans. That he's not mingling with our life, our plane. That he doesn't have a purpose for us. He just, let it, he just stepped back and let it see what happens. That is false. That is not what the Bible tells us. Because there are verses now that he is Lord of creation and that he sustains all things. That's number three. So he is God. He created it. And now he's actually the Lord of all creation. Now, yes, there are some verses where it says that Satan is the prince of this world. Yes, Satan has some dominion over this world. And did God say that we as humans have dominion over the world? Yes, he did. But actual Lord and authority over the universe, that is God. That's Jesus. And in Colossians 1.17, it says, He is before all things, and in him, I'm sorry, Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That firstborn word is just preeminence. He is the first over all creation. He has the authority, is what it means in the Greek, over all creation. 
Hebrews 1.2 says, Whom he appointed heir of all things. God appointed Jesus the heir of all things. He inherited everything. He is Lord over all creation, over all the universe, galaxies. As far as the eye can see, Jesus is Lord over it. Now some can say, I don't like that. I don't like a God who's in control of my life or in control of everything. I don't really like that. Or you can say, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. I'm glad he's in control of the universe because I wouldn't want someone else and I wouldn't want myself in control of the universe because then things go out of whack. You take the moon away from the earth, we're gone. And that's number three, the sustainer of all things. Colossians 1.17, it says this, Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus, by his grace and his sovereignty and just how he is the Lord of all creation, he is holding our universe together. He holds, he sustains everything. The orbits, the galaxies, the way the world works, the seasons and the times, the moon, how it orbits the earth, rotation of the earth, different galaxies that we don't even know about. He sustains all things. He keeps them in motion. And also in Hebrews 1.3, it says, The Son, which is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Interesting. That when God spoke life, when He spoke and He said, Let there be light, and there was light, and He spoke creation, Day one, day two, and he created everything by just speaking it. It's interesting. And he says here that he sustains all things by his powerful word. God is in control. He's sustaining all things. But the application in our life now comes, is he in control of your own life? And that's back to the questions that we talked about. Who is Jesus? We just talked about the Jesus as the man and Jesus as God. But number two... What does he mean to me and personally? That's great. He, he was a man. This is what he did. And that's, that's how he lived. And then Jesus as God. But what does he mean to you and me? He's in control of everything. But is he actually in control of your own life? In a good way. Not in a way where he forces everything. Where he says you have to do this. Or I don't love you anymore. It's not a controlling of that. He is in control of our life. In a sense that he loves us. He wants the best for us. And he has a plan for us. And that's what I want to talk about. What does Jesus mean to me? Number one, is he Savior, the Son of God, and Lord of my life? This is a question that you and I need to ask. Ask ourselves, is he Savior, is he he the Son of God, and is he the Lord of my life? Because yes, you can admit that he's the Savior of the world, okay, but I'm not sure yet that I want to have him be Lord of my life. Yeah, I, I think that he's the Son of God, that he is God, but... For him to kind of control my life and tell me what to do, I'm not so sure if I'm ready for that. You have to ask that question. Are you ready to give your whole life, your whole being, your thoughts, your personality, your character, your fears, your dreams, are you ready to give them over to Jesus? Because he wants the best for you. He doesn't want you to have to carry the burden of whatever you have in life that drags you down, brings you fear, gives you doubt. He doesn't want that. He wants you to give it over to him, but you have to trust him as Savior. You have to believe that he's a Savior, and you have to ask him to be Lord of your life. This is what he asked the disciples. 
Who do you say that I am? Am I just another prophet? Am I just Elijah coming back down from heaven? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered wisely, and he said the truth. Number two is, do I know him in a personal way? Because you, you and I may think, okay, he's the Savior, Son of God, he's the Lord of my life, but do I actually know Jesus? Do you know him? He has actually given you something where you can know him in a personal way, and that's this. It's the Word of God. You read it from front to cover, he's given you sort of a blueprint, a love letter, if you will, of who he is, what he's about, and how he wants a relationship with you. And it's funny how people may know who Jesus is as the Savior, as the Son of God, but they don't know who he is personally. Why? It's because they're not really reading this. You can't know a girlfriend or boyfriend, a husband or wife, you can't know them if you're not in contact with them, if you're not communicating with them. We love doing this. We love the texting. Some of us, I mean, my thumbs, I always use autocorrect because I'm always spelling things wrong because my iPhone is so small. I hate it. But anyway, I want to go back to the flip phones. Yeah. All right. Anyone want flip phones? Flip phones? Flip phones like me? Anybody still have a flip phone? I used to. Oh, right. You used to? Broke. You didn't take. It sucked for me. You just didn't take good care of it. I know. All right. Let's put it all together. Let's bring it all together. My point is. We're texting, we're tweeting, we're Facebooking. We all want to know how everyone's doing. We all want to stalk each other on Facebook. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Look who he is dating. Look, what, what, what are they doing? What does this status even mean? Some people put in status, I'm going to bed now. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. That's great. <laughs> Me too. There's some things that I just don't understand what people put on Facebook. I did my laundry today. Wow, I just ate a huge burrito. My life is so boring. Yeah, you know what I want to say to them sometimes? No, you're so boring, I'm getting off Facebook. I'm tired of seeing your home feed and all your status. All right, I'm just getting, getting off topic, all right? Let's bring it back. Let's close for today. Do you know him in a personal way? Do you know Jesus? If you don't, I encourage you to come to me after the service or if you want to pray about it, you can talk to me whenever you want. You can talk to the leaders that we have in here. If you don't know Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior or you haven't committed and accepted that He is Savior and He's Lord of your life and He wants the best for you as Jesus the man and Jesus as God, the Creator, the Lord, and the Sustainer of all things, maybe it's time to make that choice. If you've made that choice, I applaud you, I commend you, and I pray that you are running the race well that you are growing in Him. But if there is some doubt, if there is still some struggle of these two questions that all of us need to answer, just like the disciples had to answer, if there's still doubts, if there's still a question about it, just ask the Lord to just talk to you. Read His Word. Get to know Him. You can't know someone if you don't talk to them and get to know them. Pray, seek His face, read His Word. See what He has for you. That is Jesus as the man. That is Jesus as God. He is the God-man. He's the most influential, the greatest person who ever lived. And the greatest person who ever lived and the creator of the universe still rattles my brain that he wants to have a personal relationship with me. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. That still boggles my mind.
Really? The creator of the universe. And all he asks you to do is just make that choice and come to him. Sadly, a lot of people just want to do their own thing. And I know it breaks his heart. We're still sinners. We're still not going to get out of this flesh until we die. We're still going to sin. But God is always there to forgive us, to bring us back, to mature us, to grow us up into him. Because he wants that relationship with you and me. If you haven't decided that, talk to me, pray about it. And I want you to get to know your Savior. It means a lot to me. It really does. I want you guys to fall in love with Jesus. He is the best thing that has ever happened in my life. And I hope that is the best thing to ever happen in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. We'll hang out. God, we thank you for tonight. We just thank you for your son, Jesus, whom you sent to die for us on the cross. He freely gave up himself. He emptied himself, the Bible says, and died for us, for our sins. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We, we, we deserve death, Lord. But you came and gave your son and to die for us, to, to bring us back, to redeem us. And Father, I pray that we would answer the question that you asked your disciples as well. Who do we say that you are? I pray that if we haven't really answered this personally, I ask, Lord, that we would just get to know you and, and, and pray these things and, and answer the question that you have given us in your word. It still applies for us today. We know that you are the Savior, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is alive today. Lord, we thank you for who you are. I pray that for those that haven't made that decision yet, maybe are struggling, maybe have some doubts, questions, I pray that you would soften their hearts. You would humble them. You would allow people to step into their lives, speak truth. They would get to know you in an intimate and personal way through your word. We thank you so much for allowing us to have your word, to get to know you, to know you in a personal way as our Lord and Savior. And I pray that we would choose you, that we would choose life. Lord, go before us for the next few days of school and, and work and, and home and whatever we do in between, Lord. I pray that you would go before us. You guide our steps. You'd give us wisdom and strength in you. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.